This is Civil Discourse on KURU 89.1 FM in Silver City, New Mexico, and streaming on the internet at gmcr.org. I'm your host, Jamie Newton. My guest is United States Senator Martin Heinrich of New Mexico, who is with us by audio link. Although Senator Heinrich is a candidate for re-election, I'm interviewing him now as a sitting senator representing all New Mexicans. Senator Heinrich, welcome to Civil Discourse. Hey, it's great to be with uh, you and your listeners. I want to begin with questions that I know are of importance to you, and I'll follow up the first specific question with a couple of local aspects of that. Under the administration of President Trump, the Environmental Protection Agency and other governmental bodies have sought to weaken protections for public lands and expand commercial exploitation of non-renewable resources in fragile environments. I'd like to know how you and other legislators respond to these trends. Well, I think what this has forced us to do is to get even more proactive about speaking out uh, about our public lands in our state, about really getting focused on the, the special places that deserve additional layers of protection and to do the, the kind of uh, homework that it requires to put a community-based coalition together and, and to develop plans to protect those special places. And, you know, if there is a silver lining to the hostility that the Trump administration has brought to resources, to uh, outdoor resources and our environment generally, it's that I think it is forcing many communities to uh, think about what's really near and dear to them and how they're going to work to protect those resources long term. I'm hearing in what you said that this depends on us, the constituents, and not only on you, the legislators, and that relates directly to my next question, Senator Heinrich. There is so much concern in our region about a possible diversion of the free-flowing Gila River. Do you support protection of the Gila River by designating it as a wild and scenic river with unique special qualities? So let's let's unpack that a little bit. I think first uh, I, I want to say that I don't think that that it is appropriate to dam or divert uh, the Gila. I think that's a, a half-baked idea that would spend an awful lot of money and not result in a lot of water at the end of the day, and it could mar one of the great, you know, one of the last free-flowing rivers in the West. And and I think that the Gila has incredible values. Um, there is an active coalition uh, working on looking at the Gila and uh, coming up with uh, citizen-based proposals for what might be uh, designated under Wild and Scenic, and we are looking at those proposals and then talking to all the stakeholders to gather information about whether different sections of the Gila might qualify for wild, for scenic, or for recreational designations under that law. And so uh, I'm, you know, I'm a huge fan of the Gila River. I think it's a great, one of the great resources in southwestern New Mexico. Uh, the whole community has an awful lot of pride in it. And uh, we look forward to hearing from everyone about how they believe that we should protect this resource. There's another risk as well to the wilderness area that we so cherish here and 
to the environments that many of us live in. The Air Force has proposed up to 10,000 military jet training flights annually over the Gila wilderness and our homes, dropping flares and chaff with wildfire risks. You issued a strong statement of opposition to that plan. How did you come to your position? You know, we just spent a few months uh, gathering the information about what was involved and uh, listening to constituents from uh, across the state in the in the southwestern part of the state, but also in other areas that were looking uh, where the Air Force was considering uh, expanding uh, flyover activities. And the conclusion that I came to was twofold. One, that you know, the Gila National Forest was not the right place to do this. The Gila Wilderness was not the right place to do this. But that we also had airspace available that could be expanded that was a much better fit for this kind of training and to meet the safety issues that you mentioned with regard to flares and, and chaff and things that can lead to, uh, to wildfires. So I think this is, a, is really a fight that the Air Force doesn't need to have because we have an airspace in southeastern New Mexico, the Talon airspace, that the German tornadoes used for many, many years that can be utilized for this kind of F-16 training is highly appropriate for it. And it is, in my view, even possible to expand that that Talon uh, area to meet those needs. We don't need to put the Gila at risk in that process. I'd like to turn our attention south now. There is what I think many of us experience as a growing community crisis in our region that derives from the Trump administration's efforts to harden the U.S. border with Mexico, turn away immigrants, even when they're seeking asylum because their lives are threatened, and to devise tactics to get around court orders that restrained the Trump administration from detaining and or separating families of immigrants with the aim of deterring refugees from traveling north. I'd like to know what your perspective on these issues is and what policies seem appropriate to you for the U.S.-Mexico border, Senator. Well, having met with some of these families traveling north, and and I want to be careful about the the words we used, because these are not immigrants. These are largely refugees. These are people who are in large measure hungry and scared because Central America has so destabilized in in the last several years. And I think the, the policy in particular of separating families, of tearing two-year-olds and three-year-olds and 10-year-olds away from mothers and fathers is has to be one of the most morally bankrupt decisions that any any president of this country has ever made it it really it really worries me that this is going on at such high levels in this country and i think it's also important to realize that if the president were serious about preventing this um, he would be engaged with the leaders of those nations of guatemala of honduras of El Salvador to try and stabilize the region there. Because the reason people are leaving is because it is so dangerous in that region right now. And unfortunately, the president enjoys the issue rather than engaging and trying to fix the underlying things that are, that are causing this to occur in the first place. 
Have you seen any credible evidence to back claims that the several thousand Hondurans known as the immigrant caravan moving north through Mexico include among their number such people as Middle Eastern terrorists who are concealing themselves among Central American refugees? I have seen absolutely zero evidence to that effect, but that's why we have a process. That's why we have um, laws that govern asylum, and that's why, you know, as part of the asylum process, you have a very exhaustive background check and the ability to discern uh, where people are from, what their background is, whether they actually have a credible claim of asylum or whether they're lying about their background. So we can we can separate criminals from refugees. We can separate terrorists from refugees. And, and I think that the part that bothers me is that we have a, a president who really enjoys driving a wedge in the American people and stirring people up over claims that are clearly not accurate. Senator Heinrich, I'd like to turn attention now to health security. Many elderly people, folks with disabilities, low-income people, needy families, rely for their health care on public programs like Medicare, Medicaid, the Children's Health Insurance Program. What is the future of these programs that are vital to so many of us? Well, I think that's a conversation that we are having as a country right now. Uh, in my view, I think these, these programs have been absolutely vital for the state of New Mexico. Uh, we went through Medicaid expansion, and that really stabilized our, our rural hospitals and our rural health clinics. If we were to undo uh, that expansion, it would be absolutely devastating for many of our rural hospitals and clinics. In the past, I think when people attacked Medicare or Medicaid or even Social Security, they would do it very quietly. They'd do it in the budget process in ways that really obfuscated what they were doing from the public if possible. I think what's different and why we have to take the current situation so seriously is that you have the actual leaders of the Republican Party in Congress right now, from Speaker Ryan to the, the Republican majority leader in the Senate, uh, Mitch McConnell, overtly saying, now that we've made this tax cut, we just don't have enough revenue coming in. So we're going to have to cut Medicare and Social Security and Medicaid. That's very different than what we've seen in the past. I don't believe the American people support that, and I think that is one of the things that will clearly be litigated as part of this election season. I have several large questions remaining in the small time that we have for this interview. Let's see what we can do with this. We have recently seen the president withdraw the United States from the multilateral treaty to prevent Iran from acquiring nuclear weapons, and he just announced his intention to withdraw the United States from the Intermediate Range Nuclear Forces Treaty that Ronald Reagan signed into law in 1987. What effects do you foresee on U.S. relations with both allies and adversaries and on our actual national security as many experts fear that these changes will be destabilizing and actually increase the risk of a world nuclear war? Well, I think it's clear that withdrawing from, from both of these international agreements 
puts our nation at greater risk, not less risk. And I think that the thing that worries me the most, because we're at such an important period in, in world history, is that every time the president does this, and every time we as a nation are viewed then as stepping back from our historical role of leadership in the world, someone will fill that vacuum. And that is very destabilizing. You're certainly seeing China leaning in in a way we have not historically. And as they do that, uh, they bring very different values about whether or not to respect free speech or the right to organize or all these other issues that in a democracy we hold dear. You see Saudi Arabia acting with impunity. In all evidence suggests that they sent literally a death squad into Turkey to kill a legal permanent resident and journalist of the United States. These things are happening for a reason, and they're directly tied to the president stepping back from our historical role of leading coalitions, working together with other nations, and trying to provide the most security we can, not just for ourselves, but really for the world. The president also withdrew the United States from a multilateral agreement to make modest efforts to reverse world climate change, the Paris Climate Accords. And the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change just recently warned that if all the world powers were working in concert, we might have as much as 10 years to avoid catastrophic consequences of climate change, and these affect the poorest of Americans and the poorest of nations most immediately and severely. What are you, what can you and other legislators do to promote effective solutions that are science-based? You're a particularly appropriate person to ask, Senator Heinrich, because you're a scientifically trained person. You're an engineer. Well, what we're not going to do is let the president's inaction on climate and the president's attempt to prop up dangerous emissions technologies like traditional coal-fired generation, uh, we're not going to let that stop us from making progress. Time is short, but we have really strong new pathways with which to clean up our, our planet's atmosphere and prevent the worst of these impacts. And these impacts are happening now. I mean, we are seeing that with the, the changes in behavior of our fires. We're seeing that in the Gila. As we have fires in the Gila now, some of the species coming back afterwards are not the same species that were there before. We're seeing it with the incredible hurricanes that, that seem to be every few weeks instead of, uh, instead of years and years apart. So there are solutions here, and Congress can continue to make progress on these things, but individual people can also make changes, and I encourage people to do that. I also think that cities and counties and tribes and other subdivisions of government are now filling that void and moving rapidly towards decarbonization. You know, here in New Mexico, at the end of 2015, I helped craft a deal in Congress that extended incentives for wind and solar and then created certainty over long term for how those would disappear over time. What that has done in New Mexico has created whole new industries. We are seeing wind generation on a scale uh, that that we've never could have imagined a few years ago. That one project that just got uh, approved by the Public Regulation Commission in the state because of that work 
is uh, is a three point eight billion dollar impact on our state if if that's built. Uh, that's pretty incredible. So we're not going to let Donald Trump hold back the transition to clean energy, and we're not going to let President Trump hold back uh, the changes that we have to make if we're going to pass along this planet uh, to our kids in a way that is is safe um, and to those vulnerable communities that you talked about. So a lot of people are doing a lot right now on this front. We need to do more. But I want to I want to say I am hopeful and, and I absolutely believe that we have the technological pathways to address this. Senator Heinrich, thank you so much. You've been very generous with your time, and I look forward to interviewing you again. And then I would like to early on ask a question that we have visited previously in interviews. How fares the republic? There is great uh, deterioration of accepted traditions within the Senate and broadly in the nation with respect to civility and respect for democratic processes, worries about election security and ballot box integrity. I'll ask you about that next time unless you have a parting comment in that area. I, I look forward to having that conversation and I think that that, um, that is an, enough of a enough subjects that we should spend a substantial amount of time on it. Thank you so much, Senator Martin Heinrich, for being with us. And to our listeners, you have been listening to Civil Discourse, a public affairs production of Gila Mimbres Community Radio and KURU 89.1 FM. My guest has been United States Senator Martin Heinrich of New Mexico, interviewed as a sitting senator representing us all. Thank you, sir, so much for being with us on Civil Discourse. My pleasure. Best to your listeners. Thank you, and thanks to our audio engineer, Ken Kepler. Thank you for listening and for supporting Gila Mimbres Community Radio.